Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Help! by Peggy Hodges. Hey, Brad, what are you doing in Mr. Watson's boat? Greg called. That's strictly off limits, you know. Don't worry about it. Mr. Watson was called back to the city to tend some important business, and he asked me to keep an eye on his boat while he was gone. I bet you're not supposed to run it, though. You know how fussy he is about the thing. Just checking out the engine, Brad winked at his friend. Gotta keep it in shape, you know. I think I'll take a spin around the bay and see if it's performing right. May I go? I've never been out in a big boat like that. The Sea Queen is a regular yacht. Nah, Mr. Watson wouldn't like it. Please, I won't touch anything, Greg persisted. Forget it. I'll just be gone a short time. I'll be back in time to go to the big Indian barbecue with you. I sure don't want to miss that. Brad started the engine and waved at Greg, who stood forlornly on the dock. See you later! He backed away and headed the boat into the bay. The bright sunshine made dazzling ripples on the water as he tilted the boat into a curve. He loved the smooth steering and the purr of the big inboard. He had the bay all to himself and opened the throttle wide, enjoying the quick response of the big boat. It was the first time he had been on it alone. A little twinge of conscience stirred him, but he resisted it. Mr. Watson was fussy about his boat, but Brad was sure that if he'd asked whether he could take it out, the answer would have been, go ahead. After all, the boat had every safety device required and had passed a rigid Coast Guard inspection. And Mr. Watson had often allowed Brad to steer the Sea Queen when they went fishing. There was nothing to worry about. I'll go out a little way and then turn around, Brad decided. When I get back, I'll go right over to the barbecue and meet Greg. That's where I told my folks I was going. Brad leaned back in his seat as he skimmed over the waves. When he saw the torpedo-like log looming in the water, it was too late. He hit it head-on, and it ripped through the shiny mahogany of the boat. A loud boom rang in Brad's ears as he crashed into the side of the boat, his leg twisting under him. He lay there dazed for a few moments. Then a movement of the careening vessel catapulted him overboard, and the pressure of the water seemed to explode in his head. He flailed his arms and rose to the surface. In spite of the pain throbbing in his right leg, he desperately treaded water and looked at the distant outline of the shore. He tried to think, but his brain was slow to respond. How far was he from shore? He figured maybe two miles, and he was thankful he was a good swimmer, but how far could he swim with his leg injured? Maybe he had broken it. Everything had happened so fast that he couldn't believe it. A few minutes before, he had been full of an exhilarating sense of power as he steered the beautiful boat, and now he was in the ocean, aching and benumbed. He looked for the Sea Queen. It seemed far away, but he determinedly swam toward it. It took a long time to get close to it. What he saw made him sick. The boat was almost completely underwater and sinking fast. Gritting his teeth, he dived for the whiteness of a life belt shining through the roily water and pulled downward on it. Then he tried yanking upward to release it from the boat. But it was no use. The clamp was too tight. He couldn't budge it. The log that had done all the damage was floating nearby. He swam to it and tried to slide over it, but it was so water-soaked that it gave no more support than a bottle cork. He sank, swallowing a mouthful of salty water. Struggling to the surface again, he tried to hold onto the soggy log, but it rolled over, tipping him into the water again. He tried a few more times, but then gave up. It was no use. He shook his head 
and tried to think what to do. I have to do the right thing now, he realized frantically. I've already messed up on some of the most important rules of boating. Here I am without even a life jacket, and there are twelve of them on the Sea Queen. These thoughts didn't make him feel any better. Mr. Watson allowed no one on his boat without a life jacket. That was a must. The first thing he did when he took people out was hand them each a life jacket. But I was going for such a short ride, Brad thought. He knew that was no excuse as he wryly compared it to the one given by people who didn't fasten their seatbelts because they were just driving around the block. He couldn't excuse his actions. He just regretted the carelessness with which he had jumped into the Sea Queen and headed into the bay. He stared at the setting sun that was turning the shoreline a deep red. Treading water, he wondered whether to try to make shore or rest on his back, hoping for a boat to come along. Soon it would be too dark for anyone to see him. No, his best course would be to head for shore. His leg felt better, so he decided it wasn't broken after all. He kicked his shoes off and wiggled out of his wet jeans. There, that felt better. At least he wasn't hungry. He was thankful for the big lunch his mother had made him eat before he left. Thankful, too, for his good health and the swimming lessons that, combined with his husky build, made him a strong swimmer. If the shore actually was two miles away, it would take at least six hours of swimming to reach it, maybe more. He tried a relaxed breaststroke, thinking it would be the least tiring, but he just couldn't seem to get the right response from his muscles and made very little progress. Every few hundred feet he rolled over on his back to rest and to think his disturbing thoughts. Who would search for him? Not his folks. They thought that he was over where Greg's folks were camped and that he would go to the barbecue with Greg. They wouldn't be alarmed about him until the barbecue was over, and that would be nine o'clock at the earliest. They'd never dream he'd be out in the Sea Queen. How about Greg? There was little hope there, either. No doubt Greg had gone to the barbecue with his folks, thinking that Brad would be along later. If he didn't show up, Greg wouldn't be alarmed, for it wouldn't be the first time Brad had failed to do what he promised. How he wished he had allowed Greg to come with him. If Greg had been along, one of them probably would have seen the log and given the familiar warning, Deadhead! Dead ahead! Most of all, he wished he had never taken Mr. Watson's boat. He forced himself to paddle on. It was dark now, and he could see faint lights from the few houses along the shore. But never a boat. He knew he was gaining only a few yards and cautioned himself to stay calm and not panic. Thirst racked his throat, but he steeled himself not to drink the salty water. His eyes felt puffy and stung. He realized how small and unimportant he was out on that large body of water. He knew that only God could help him now, and he was almost ashamed to ask for his help. Finally, though, he closed his eyes and prayed, asking forgiveness and renewing his pledge to be faithful. A bright moon turned the dark water an eerie silver, and he knew it was late, very late. He lay back in the water and rested a while. A hard object hit the back of his head, and he turned in fright. It was a buoy. He slid his chest awkwardly over it and hung on. The horrible events of the afternoon crowded through his mind again, and the realization that he had brought them on himself was the worst. He remembered Greg's wistful look as the boat had pulled out from the dock, and Mr. Watson's trust when he'd asked Brad to look after the Sea Queen. He remembered a lot of other things, too. How can I be all that rotten and still have everyone be so good to me, he thought. I've been treated with kindness, trust, and affection, but have given so little in return. 
"'If I ever get back to shore, I'll be different,' he said aloud. He shut his eyes and wept. Just then a bright beacon of light shone through his closed eyelids, and he opened them to see a boat pulling up. It was the Coast Guard. On the trim little cutter were his folks, Greg's folks, and Greg. "'I knew you were in trouble when you didn't show up at the barbecue,' Greg said. "'I waited for a while, and then I told my folks. They were worried, too, so they went over to your cabin.' When your dad and mom learned that you had gone out in the Sea Queen, they were afraid you had had trouble with the engine. So they called the Coast Guard. We're sure glad you're all right. We've been searching for hours. Brad shook violently as they lifted him from the water and wrapped warm blankets around him. He reached out to Greg and grabbed his hand. The Lord showed you the way to help me, Greg. But the Sea Queen? It's completely gone. Oh, Dad. Oh, Mom. He sobbed uncontrollably. Don't think about that now, son, Dad said. Mr. Watson probably has insurance to cover his loss. If not, we'll take care of it some way. The important thing is that you're safe. The Sea Queen is replaceable, but you aren't, Mom said as she kissed his tired face. Just rest now. We'll soon be home. Reassured by their love, Brad fell into the deep sleep of exhaustion. Mom turned to Greg. Well, Greg, she said. I'm sure you'll have a very different friend in Brad when he wakes up. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.